welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Well, from 1928 to 1971, Pier 21 was Canada's front door to over a million immigrants, wartime evacuees, refugees, troops, war brides, and their children. Well, this enriched our social and cultural landscape and uplifted the very soul of our nation forever. Throughout those years, one million people passed through its doors. 100,000 displaced persons and refugees, 50,000 war brides and their 22,000 children, 3,000 British evacuee children escaping the ravages of war back at home and some 494,000 Canadian troops bound for Europe during World War II. And included in that group was a family of immigrants from Portugal. On June the 14th, 1958, my dad and his parents arrived on the shores of Canada at Halifax Pier 21 in search of a better life. And after a 48-hour train ride from Halifax, they arrived in Toronto where they were to make their home. And there was hardship and hard work, a lot of adjustment and learning, but looking back today, almost 60 years later, it was probably the best decision they could ever have made. As we pick up our story this week with Joseph, news of the reunion of Joseph and his brothers and all of the events surrounding the reunion have reached the ears of Pharaoh. Let's go to Genesis chapter 45, beginning at verse 16. We read, Now when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your beasts and go to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your household and come to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. Well, during the seven years of plenty, Joseph had built some vast storehouses, and he had stocked them with grain from the rich, fertile region of the Nile. Thanks to the guidance of God and, and Joseph's obedience, Egypt now has an abundance of food. Now, upon hearing that Joseph's brothers had come to Egypt from Canaan, Pharaoh agrees with his prime minister's plan. His encouraging response gives us a clear indication that everything met with Pharaoh's approval. In fact, Pharaoh takes it a step further. He gives Joseph's brothers wagons to take with them to transport the people and all of the possessions of their household. Pharaoh promises that the best land of Egypt will be given to them upon their return. Everyone in the court of Pharaoh applauded Joseph's decision. Now, that, imagine the affection and the respect that, that these people must have had for Joseph to elicit such generous response. So Joseph's brothers did as Pharaoh directed. They must have left enormously encouraged and still trying to believe the grace that had been showered upon them. 
They headed back to Canaan with their pack animals and the transport wagons that had been given to them. And Joseph gives them some advice as they're ready to leave. Genesis 45, verse 21. The sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons, and according to the command of Pharaoh, and gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. And to his father he sent as follows, ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his father on the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the journey. Joseph's brothers not only had plenty to eat on the way, but also they had brand new clothes. They had all they needed. They once again had it all in abundance. These men must have really looked like something when they returned to Canaan, a land drying up under these lingering years of famine. No doubt they passed along the way starving people and dead or dying animals on the five or six day trek from Egypt to Canaan. And there they were, the backs of their beasts loaded with an abundance of provisions, a line of carts to be used to transport their wives and children and other family members back to Egypt. But notice, however, the one directive Joseph gave them. Don't get into an argument on the journey. He knew these men. I mean, isn't it great that when Scripture inserts these tidbits, centuries come and go, but you know what? The human nature, well, it stayed exactly the same. Yes, though there had been changes, Joseph was still wise to his brothers. The original term here, translated quarrel, means to be agitated and perturbed. It's sometimes used preceding a fight. Joseph knew his brothers. He knew their antagonistic personalities, and he knew the things they were prone to do. Practically speaking, I think he probably said this because suddenly they found themselves richer and fatter, that, and that change... Well, that could only bring out negative reactions. You know, sudden wealth or, 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 or sudden promotion can be a battering experience both for the recipient and for those that surround him or her. Now, Joseph had given his brother Benjamin more than he had given to the other brothers. He gave them all provisions and gave each of them new garments, but he gave Benjamin 300 shekels of silver and five new garments. And no doubt Joseph remembered what had happened years before when he had been given more than others. But he must have had his reasons for doing so, but he didn't want it to result in a fight. So he says, so don't argue about it, he tells his brothers. Let's go to Genesis 45, verse 25, we read, they went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and indeed he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But he was stunned, for he did not believe him. 
keep in mind here that Jacob knew nothing of what had transpired. The last time he had seen his sons, he wondered if they would ever see them again. Furthermore, he thought for more than 25 years, well, that his son Joseph had been dead. Well, was he in for a surprise? Not only did his sons return from Egypt loaded with supplies, new clothing, but they came with the news, Joseph is still alive. The text says something like, Joseph, uh, Jacob was stunned. Uh, some translations say his heart fainted. The, the Hebrew text simply says his heart grew numb. I think the old man was so overwhelmed with the, new, the news that he had a mild coronary. In his mind and in his heart, he had buried Joseph years ago. He had long since given up any hope of ever seeing him again. Now he is told that his long lost dead son, his favorite son, was really alive? And he's an important official ruling over the entire land of Egypt? At first, Jacob didn't believe them. But then, verse 27... When they told him all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them, and when he saw the wagons Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. My son Joseph is still alive, and I will go and see him before I die. You see, at this point, Scripture says his spirit was revived. When his sons reported that Joseph what he had said, and when he saw evidence of this Egyptian generosity before his very own eyes, Jacob recognized that his sons were telling the truth. Joseph was alive. And with this realization, Jacob's inner spirit sort of comes back to life. Now, from that moment on, I believe Jacob had only one thought and one objective in his mind, and that is seeing his son. He forgot all about the goods lined up outside his tent. He didn't even think about eating, although he must have been desperately hungry. He thought about only one thing, the ultimate family reunion with his beloved son. But yet Jacob did not jump on his horse and gallop down to Egypt and grab his son. Aside from the fact that his age would have probably prevented that from happening, Jacob had learned some things over all these years. I doubt that he slept much that night or any other night until he saw his son. You see, old Jacob had learned some lessons about what happened when he did not walk and talk with God. Well, therefore, he wants to be sure that God is in this. Now, this was a big move for the family. So although he loaded up his household and began his journey, when he got to Beersheba, close to the southern border of Canaan, he stopped. Before proceeding any further, he built an altar there and offered sacrifices to the Lord his God. You see, thankfully, by now, Jacob had matured into a seasoned and wise old man. He stopped. He waited willing to learn whether this move to Egypt would be accompanied by the presence and the blessing of God. It must have been a great moment when in the night 
he was awakened by the voice of God calling Jacob, Jacob. Here I am, he replied quietly. I am God, the God of your father Isaac. Don't be afraid. Go down to Egypt, for it is there that I will make you a great nation. I will go to Egypt with you. I will also bring you back to this land again. And your son Joseph will be with you when you die. Now this is a major moment, not only for Jacob and his family, but for all of Israel. This is an early prophetic reference to Israel's great exodus from Egypt. Now, God did not tell Jacob how long they would be in Egypt, nor did he describe to Jacob how large the nation would become. And we know that they'd be there over 400 years. We know that Israel would grow to a nation of somewhere around 1 to 3 million people during those years. But all Jacob knew was that God was going with them to Egypt. God would make Jacob's family a great nation. That's really all the old man needed to hear for the moment. Now he could proceed in peace. But God's final promise of assurance was that he would someday bring all the Hebrews back to Canaan. Appropriately called for this reason, the promised land. Lord, I've been told that my beloved son is in Egypt and that we have been promised a life of plenty and ease if we go there, says Jacob. I know my son wants me to come. I long to see him again. I know that Pharaoh has sent the provisions and the wagons and has promised us the best land in Egypt. But Lord God of my forefathers, are you there? Are you in this? You see, Jacob was facing a whole new experience. He was being asked to move his simple, rural, monotheistic lifestyle in Canaan into a sophisticated, polytheistic lifestyle of Egypt with all the temptations that that would bring. Would he and his descendants, would they lose their distinctiveness? What we are seeing here is not only a family on the move, it's, it's a nation on the move. When Jacob and his family leave Canaan, there will be no Israelites left there. I mean, they are Israel. Some 70 of them in all, not counting Jacob's son's wives. If they move to Egypt, they will become a nation within a nation. No wonder Jacob said, God, I want to hear your voice in this. And only when he knew that God was in it did he make the move. I'm impressed with that. Listen, I've said a number of negative things about Jacob in this series. I think this would be a good time to highlight a positive side of Jacob. I mean, this guy is no spring chicken. This Jacob of Genesis 46, according to Genesis 47.9, he's reached the age of, what, 130? He's, He's stooped, he's wrinkled, there's snow white hair and a matching long beard. He was at the age that many would consider, well, too old for this kind of a move. Now, here's why I'm so impressed with Jacob. He wasn't afraid of a challenge. Just as long as he knew his Lord was in it, 
If that meant leaving the familiar country of Canaan, readjusting his life and new sights and sounds and the smells of the Goshen, so be it. The risks didn't frighten him, nor did the changes he faced. That's a great attitude. When Jacob got the Lord's approval there at that altar in Beersheba, there was no looking back. Genesis 46, verse 5. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And they took their livestock and their property which had been acquired in the land of Canaan and came to Egypt. Jacob and all his descendants with him. So Jacob and his sons, they head out for Egypt. All their wagon loads of wives and children and sons and daughters and grandsons, granddaughters, all their possessions, livestock. By the time they arrived in Egypt, these rural, famine-stricken, travel-worn people must have looked like a, like a vagabond bunch loaded down with crying babies and personal belongings and cattle. Nevertheless, they entered the great land of the pharaohs. Now, scholars have estimated that Jacob moved to Egypt about 1876 B.C., that would fall within the era known as the Middle Kingdom and the 12th Dynasty. According to historians, this was a period of great power and stability in Egypt. Uh, military campaigns and mining expeditions to the outlying provinces and to neighboring countries made Egypt a dominant, international, almost imperial power. And during this time, Historians say that Egypt made significant advancements in, in education, sculpture, architecture, and, and, and literature. This, then, was the Egypt into which Jacob and his descendants made their way. One can only imagine their awe as they marched into a world of such efficiency, beauty, and, 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 and cultural magnificence, beautiful cities, prosperous people. You can only imagine what the Egyptians must have thought of this band of, well, hillbillies, you know, coming through their gates. Well, they could laugh if they wanted, but Jehovah God was with them, and that made them invincible. And Joseph had been waiting for this glorious day. He had been imagining this reunion for some 25 years, and finally the day arrived. His scouts sent word that the caravan he had been waiting for could be seen on the horizon. Judah traveled on ahead to get directions. But Joseph didn't give or send directions. He jumped into his own chariot, and he went out to meet his father. And then came that wonderful moment. Another one of those moments that words just fail to adequately describe. Genesis 46, verse 29. And Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck for a long time. Think of that what must have been like. After more than two decades, Jacob once more held in his arms that son that he had given up for dead. After all that he had been through, Joseph embraced his aging father, the man he had missed so much. 
the one he feared he would never see again. You know, in thinking of this glorious reunion, my mind turns to another reunion that will bring forth tears of happiness. The final, the, the ultimate reunion. And this is the hope of every child of God. You can read about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. We read, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. On that day, the Bible says, we will hear the blast of a trumpet. On that great morning, our entire family will be reunited forever in the presence of the Lord. The reality is that no solid amount of family ties will fit you for heaven. Only through Jesus Christ will you be included in his family reunion. Uh, what we really need at this moment is the deep assurance that we are his. And only then can we look forward in hope to that ultimate final family reunion in the new land, our new home. Let us pray. Father in heaven, oh, how we want to be there when the roll is called up yonder. Grant each and every viewer the deep assurance that we are your children and operate the transformation necessary to fit us for heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, we've come to that uh, part of our program where we uh, present you the free gift, the resource that we have uncovered to, to help you in your spiritual journey. Well, um, I've come across this little book. It is called Your Future is Safe with God. You know, we look around us and we see so much turmoil and so much strife, so much pain so much anxiety, so much uncertainty. And that has caused some people to doubt our future. But, but God has outlined in Scripture that He has a glorious future for those who claim Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so this little book, it is a wonderful read. You can probably sit down and in one sitting read the whole thing. It's just a small little booklet, but loaded with all kinds of inspirational information. I hope you accept our offer of this free gift.
If you'd like to get it, here's the information you need. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another uh, Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, every week I tell you I appreciate the fact that you tune in and that you send your words of encouragement and your prayers. Uh, but before we go, let me remind you of a few things that I think are, are, are important. Uh, the website, l4ltv.com. Uh, on the website, a number of interesting resources there. All of our previous programs are, uh, are available there for viewing. Uh, you can request the offer on the website also. Uh, we have a section there which is Bible Answers where um, I have some messages that deal with some of the most common questions I, I get asked. There's also a, a free downloadable you know, PDF lesson handout for, that accompanies uh, each message and you can have that. We have live appearances, so if you want to know where I'll be appearing live, you want to come out and say hi, um, check that you know, page out on the website. And uh, let me just say this, for those of you in the Toronto area, uh, most Saturdays I'm at my church, the Harmony Adventist Church, 89th Center Avenue. We rent a sp space in the Wellspring Worship Center. That's sort of the Bayview and Steeles area. So we're there most Saturday. I'm there most Saturdays, 10 a.m. for Bible study, 11.30 a.m., uh, for worship, and so you can come out and, uh, and, and spend some time with us. Come out and say hi. I'd love to see you. Um, shortly after this program ends, it'll be available on our YouTube channel and on our Facebook page, so check that out. On the L4LTV.com website, one thing before I go, i got to tell you, you can also make a donation. There's a donate tab there. You can donate online. You can donate online via Interact, you know, debit card, you know, Visa. You can go on a, on a plant and we, we can withdraw monthly donations from you. Every penny, this is important that you understand, it, every penny that you commit to this ministry goes directly to pay for the studio time, the airtime, the gifts we give out. Not one penny comes to pay my salary. So I want you to know that, that every penny you put in, it goes directly to this ministry to keep it on the air, to keep proclaiming the good news. Remember to visit www.missionnowcanada.com that is the part of our ministry that deals with overseas mission work. Some exciting stuff going on there. Join us or donate to the overseas mission work of our ministry. That's all we have time for today. 
Thank you so much for watching. I hope we get a chance to do this again. God bless you.